It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Play ball! This is the Locked On Reds Podcast on a Wednesday hump day. Doug Gray, RedsMinorLeagues.com, coming up in just a few minutes. I'm James Erpine. On Twitter, at James Erpine, at LockedOnReds. Right now, LockedOnReds.com. You can watch Billy Hamilton make an amazing grab. You can also check out every single podcast. We're also on iTunes. And if you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in today. And basically what we do, it's a daily Reds podcast. Gives you up-to-date information, insight on the Reds, the organization, the minor leagues, the major leagues. And right now with spring training, there's a ton to get to with Doug Gray, who will be joining us, like I said, in just a minute, just a quick note, we have applied for all of the other licenses and platforms from Google Play to Spotify to Stitcher, etc. I know I'm getting a lot of questions about that. Today's our 11th show. I'm optimistic that it will happen sooner rather than later. The people that the, the powers that be, so to speak, of the network, I've been pushing and pushing and emailing, and they're probably sick of me doing it. But uh, yeah, I think we're closer uh, to getting that done, and I will be sure to let you know on this podcast when it's available on other platforms as soon as I know, as soon as I receive word. But right now, I'll tweet it out every single day at James Rapine at Locked on Reds. You can check it out, LockedOnReds.com, Megaphone, and Apple Podcast. And without further ado, let's bring in Doug Gray, RedsMinorLeagues.com. He's on Twitter at DougDirt24. Doug, let's start with the man who took the mound for the first time of the spring yesterday, Brandon Finnegan. And uh, what did you see from Finnegan? Was it good, bad, indifferent when he made his first start yesterday? You no, know, I, I think that for Brandon Finnegan, it's just a matter of him getting out there, you know, staying healthy, you know, just kind of getting, getting, you know, things going for him. Um, you know, he hasn't really pitched too much. He had that B game. You know, he, he faced some minor league guys. He faced a few major league guys that first time out. But, you know, the crowd wasn't out there. And, you know, you can say what you want about spring training crowds. It's a lot different pitching in front of people than pitching in front of 12 people on the backfield. Yeah. So I think that really it was just a matter of him getting out there and, you know, throwing pitches to real guys in front of real people. And he stayed healthy. He said after the game he kind of had those jitters, but, you know, he felt pretty good. So I think that the bigger concern is that, you know, he only threw two innings. And I think that puts him a little bit behind everybody else. And the real question is, is he going to be ready to start the season on time? Or is he going to maybe have to be, let's say, the number five guy in the rotation and, you know, show up, you know, 10 days into the season? Yeah, it's it's curious. I'm curious which Finnegan we're going to get. Do we get the one that we saw that seemed to be ascending in 16 or a guy that, that's been banged up ever since? And I know Reds fans are probably cringing thinking about it, but you, you look at it and there's certainly – Guys that have been plagued by injury, one that comes to mind is Homer Bailey. They hope that Finnegan isn't the, the young version, the, the pre-contract extension version of Homer. Well, I mean, you don't ever want to talk about somebody being hurt, but you know, if, if that does happen to be Brandon Finnegan again, you know, at, at the very least they're not committed for so long for so much money because he has not signed a contract extension like Homer Bailey did. Uh, and that's not to take anything away from either one of them, but it's just, especially for a small market team like Cincinnati, those things can really set the entire franchise back. Yeah, absolutely it can. And that's how I look at it. If if Homer Bailey stays healthy this year and, and pitches like I think a lot of us feel like he can, then it could be a big part of why the Reds maybe do win 80 games or 75 games and, and start to turn things around. Same thing with Finnegan for me. And uh, another pitcher that a lot of people have 
paid attention to and um, those that listen to the podcast heard Marty kind of be honest about it is Robert Stevenson, and he struggled over the weekend. What have you seen from Robert, and, and are you concerned? How concerned are you? You know, with Robert Stevenson, it's, it's always going to come down to fastball control. We've, we've seen it in the major leagues pretty much ever since he, he first showed up. He struggles at times to throw his fastball for strikes. And I think that if he can't do that, you know, it, it, it kind of it's going to diminish his role. Right now, they're, they're still going to give him a chance as a starter. But if he can't figure out how to throw more strikes, then he's going to wind up in the bullpen and probably pretty quick. This is going to be the last season he's got options. So the Reds can send him to the minor leagues this year, but they kind of have to know what his role is going to be moving forward next year. So they've got to figure that out this year. Um, you know, he's got some of the best stuff of anybody on the staff. I think that outside of Luis Castillo, you can argue he's right there with anybody. But the execution with that stuff, it, it, it lacks behind sometimes because he just he struggles to throw strikes. And I, I think that, you know, he, he's worked on several things to try and get that under control, and it just it hasn't worked yet. He hasn't been able to consistently do it. And I, I think that right now it's, it's okay. I mean, he's only made two appearances this spring, and he got a late start to the spring, too. And I, I do think that we need to kind of, you know, understand that in terms of actual pitching time, he's still probably a week behind everybody else outside of Brandon Finnegan. And so I, I'm not putting too much stock into the control problems he's had so far, but I do think that if he wants to remain in the conversation for that number five rotation spot, he's got to put that behind him and start performing better, throwing more strikes moving forward this spring, or he's going to get passed up and you know guys like Sal Romano and Amir Garrett and even Tyler Malley are going to pass him up in, in, the, in the battle for that number five spot in the rotation. Make sure you follow Doug on Twitter at DougDirt24 and check him out, RedsMinorLeagues.com. And that's the thing. I was on 700 WLW following his uh, his outing on Saturday, and people were, especially when, when Marty says something and, and he kind of questions the future and what Robert could be, people were losing their minds, and I was like, guys, it's spring training. Like, here's how I look at it. Like, Amir Garrett's pitched well in the spring, and he's impressed, and I treat it like, yeah, but it's spring. And I get it, Robert Stevenson's battling and trying to get into the rotation, and obviously he's going to have to pitch better. But I'm not going to overreact to a, a start or an outing or, or do too much. There's a reason Joey Votto was hitless going into yesterday. I don't know if he even played yesterday. But he was hitless going into yesterday. It's not the biggest deal in the world. I know that's apples and oranges a little bit comparing uh, Stevenson and Votto, but it's spring. Things are going to happen. you got to work out the kinks a little bit. Yeah, and that's why they have spring training, because – Guys, they, they, need to, they need time to get ready to play games that actually matter. I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is glorified practice for these guys. And while there definitely is competition among these guys for roster spots, again, you know, Robert Stevenson's throwed three innings this spring. I mean, that's half of one start. Yeah, it's, it's insane. <laughs> half of one start. Yeah, that's, it, let's say he was the fifth guy in the rotation, and he had a, one bad start, uh, you know, the fifth, fifth day of the year. I'm not going to lose my mind about one bad start because those happen. But you're not going to send somebody to AAA after having three <laughs> bad innings the first week of April? Exactly right. Oh. I, some some fans would though, Doug. So well, just you're you're right. I I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I know exactly how some fans are. As far as the the spring goes, obviously there are question marks in, in the middle of the infield. Uh, we, we talked about Nick Senzel last week playing short. What have you seen from him? Uh, just in general. Uh, along with Jose Peraza, because I think that that's one of the more underrated, looked at 
things. Obviously, everyone's focused on the starting rotation, but whoever plays that that shortstop position, and it'll be Peraza early in the year, but can he maintain it? Can he keep the, the job? I think that's something that'll be uh, at least under a microscope. Well, I'll start off by saying this. I have not seen Nick Senzel play shortstop yet. I'm not in Arizona yet, and they've been limited in the game action. But from what I've heard, I at least have a little bit of hope, a lot more than I did you know, two months ago when they first started kind of tossing this idea out there that Nick Senzel can play shortstop. Um, there's work that has to be done. I don't think he'd be ready to play uh, in the major leagues at shortstop, at least at, at a higher-end level defensively uh, to start the year. But I, I do think that from what I've heard that there's a chance that he could be you know, an, an actual legitimate major league defensive shortstop, uh, probably not somebody who's going to stand out. I mean, you're not going to confuse him with Zach Cozart or anything, but a guy who you can put out there and not it, he's not going to hurt you. Um, you know, if he puts in the work, it, it seems like that you know it, it's a possibility at this point, which I wouldn't have thought so two or three months ago. Um, now, when it comes to Jose Peraza, I, I think that he's got a, a bad rap defensively, and I'm not really sure why at shortstop. From what I've seen, he looks like he's an average, maybe a slightly above-average major league shortstop defensively. He's got a good arm. He's got good enough range. He's got solid hands. I don't really see a problem there. I think that if you're going to bring up an issue with Jose Peraza, it's more going to be about, is he ever going to hit enough? Because, you know, he came up in 2016 and he hit 322, and everybody's getting excited about it. But last year, we kind of saw the exact opposite of that. He really struggled to hit. And, you know, Jose Peraza doesn't draw walks, and he doesn't hit for power. So for his bat to be valuable, he's got to hit 300-plus, unless for some reason that nobody sees coming, he starts hitting 15 home runs a year. So I think you're going to have a little bit of give and take between both of those players. Jose Peraza, he's probably going to be the better defender, but he's not going to hit much. Nick Senzel is clearly going to hit more, but he's probably not going to be quite as good of a defender. And I think that when it comes down to it, it's going to be about what the Reds decide they want more out of their shortstop position. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. It'll be interesting. Do you think Eugenio Suarez, I know he played at least in the minors a little bit at shortstop, you think they would ever consider moving him to short and just letting Senzel later in the year, maybe even in 2019, play third base? I don't think so. And the reason I say that is because I feel that if they really considered Suarez as a possibility to play shortstop, they wouldn't have gone through all of this hassle with Nick Senzel. I mean, they went into the offseason, and it wasn't even the Reds' plan to have Senzel play shortstop. They were going to play him in second base. And they said, you know, maybe get some work in the corner outfield. You know, they knew what they were going into spring training with with Jose Peraza. And if they thought that Suarez could possibly play shortstop, would they really have tried to move the top prospect they've had in, what, six or seven years to a different position if they could have just kept Nick Senzel at third base? I don't think so. And let's, we have to also remember, in the second half of last season, Brian Price mentioned that they were going to look at, at – uh, Suarez at shortstop, and they never actually did. It never happened in a game. And I have to imagine, and I, I don't know if this happened or not, but I'd have to imagine that they talk about it publicly. They probably looked at it in practice. Mm-hmm. And since it never happened, I'd imagine that whatever, for whatever reason, they didn't think it was going to work. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Do, make sure you follow Doug on Twitter at DougDirt24, RedsMinorLeagues.com. Really good website tool to keep track of what the Reds are doing in the farm system. Um, as far as the big league club goes. Obviously, they signed a guy, Ben Revere, to see maybe if he can make the team. I know he started for Billy Hamilton yesterday because Billy was a late scratch with a an index finger issue. 
When you look at Revere, do you give him a legitimate shot with, honestly, I think it's a crowded outfield, a legitimate chance to make this team? You know, that's a tough question. I'm not really sure that I see what he brings to the Reds. Uh, you know, you mentioned they've got a crowded outfield. You know, if you're going to believe the defensive metrics, I, I don't see how he's an upgrade over Scott Shebler defensively in center field. And he's clearly not going to hit like Scott Shebler is. I mean, realistically, he's a slightly different version of Billy Hamilton offensively. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't draw walks. He hits for a little bit higher average, but he's got as much power as me or you, James. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't see where it makes too much sense to put him on the roster. Now, if you were truly going to go with five outfielders, the only explanation I can understand is that it buys you time to put Philip Irvin in AAA, where maybe he can round out his game a little bit more, and maybe you can foresee Philip Irvin becoming your everyday center fielder. But unless that's your plan, I, I just don't quite see where Ben Revere fits in for the Reds. Yeah, and the the thing with it go is, to me, you you have to play Billy. Just I get it. People don't want him hitting leadoff, and I understand that. But you're paying him more this year. You know what he brings defensively. You're going to have to play him. You need to get Jesse Winker playing time and Duvall and Shebler. We know what they bring at the plate. So it's. Rock hard place. I just, I'm like you. I don't see where Ben fits in unless they traded Billy Hamilton at some point. I don't think they're really considering doing that now. Obviously, they did, uh, or they were listening to offers in the off season. Yeah, and you know that's that's certainly a possibility. And if if Billy Hamilton's not going to be on the team because he gets traded away, then you you are going to need somebody to come in and play center field. Personally, I'd still go with somebody like Philip Irvin over Ben Revere in center field and see what happens. Um, just because I, I just see, I see Ben Revere as basically Billy Hamilton with a lot less defense and still a really questionable bat. But uh, you're, you're definitely going to need somebody down the road as, as a backup center fielder. But I, I just I just foresee better options from the Reds right now than than Ben Revere. So there was a rumor back in not even a rumor. Uh, Ichiro Suzuki's agent mentioned the Reds as a possible landing spot if they did trade Billy Hamilton back in January. I don't know about what he would bring, but I would have loved to see Ichiro play his last year in the majors with the Reds. Well, I would have loved it too, but I'm with you. I'm not really sure if it actually would have been beneficial for the Reds or not. It would have been it would have been like the Bronson Arroyo treatment, but Ichiro was a much better player in his prime. So I would have welcomed it. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it, it would have been fun to watch. It's just well Yeah, I I'm, I'm not sure it actually would have helped. You're thinking but, about you know, it like, eh. I mean, if I could just get one of those hits where the ball bounced in front of the plate and he could hit it, you know, that would have been worth everything else. Yes, exactly, so. exactly. What do you got on RedsMinorLeagues.com? Actually, I wrote something this morning that it's going gonna, gonna to be published tomorrow that I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the reaction that it gets. Um, I kind of questioned how smart it is to build through the draft. You know, it, it seems that right now a lot of teams are, it, it's, I don't want to say it like this, but it seems like they're having a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. because they want to get that number one, number two overall draft pick. And so I looked back at some historical data, and I, I kind of questioned if this is a smart plan or not. And I'm not just saying this for the Reds. I feel that a lot of teams are trying to take this plan because they've seen what's happened in the last couple of years with some of these other teams that have gone through these rebuilds. And I, I, I don't know. I, I really liked what I came up with, and so I'm hoping the reaction is what I'm hoping it is. But I guess we'll find out tomorrow. But I... I I don't know, James. It's, 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 it's an interesting situation where I'm not sure that it's the best idea, um, even though a lot of teams seem like they're trying to do it. Yeah, especially, and I get, 
in baseball, it, it takes a long time for the draft picks. I can't wait to read this because it takes a long time for the draft picks to have any sort of impact, even if they're really good prospects in a lot of cases. So if anything, I would I would shy the other way. I would look at it the other way, is especially in a market like this year where you could get quality players at, at almost at a bargain at, at some point. Yeah, I, I, it, that's interesting because who knows – Especially after this year, who knows what Reds fans, how they'll look at it as far as the building and rebuilding through the draft. Well, you know, and I'm glad that you kind of said that, you know, like in baseball, because it does take time for guys. I mentioned that in the article, you know, in the NBA, it makes sense to fight for that number one graphic. If you get a Steph Curry or a LeBron James, like one player in the NBA when you've got five guys on the court, it, it, it's huge. Like it can literally change your franchise. In the NFL, if you get a franchise, like legitimate top five quarterback. Yep. And, and don't get me wrong, I understand that drafting quarterbacks in the NFL is a crapshoot. But if you do land that guy, it's a game changer. The Reds have one of the best hitters in baseball and have for the last eight years. Well, when was the last time they won? Yeah. Mike Trout has been the best player on every baseball field he's stepped on since his rookie year. He's been to the playoffs once in six seasons. In baseball, one player does not make that much of a difference. Yes, you need those superstar players to win, but... There are so many roster spots on a baseball team that one player, even the best player we may have ever seen, to this point in his career, Mike Trout is the best player through his age that we've ever had in baseball. And, he, and he's, he's not enough. Yeah, and he's wasting it in, in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. How about this trade? Billy Hamilton for Mike Trout straight up. I, <laughs> to, to quote Lance McAllister, <laughs> I would drive to the airport. <laughs> to make that one happen. <laughs> He's Doug Gray. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at DougDirt24. Doug, as always, man, I appreciate the time. Well, thanks for having me on, James. I, I, I look forward to this every week. Great stuff there. Can't wait to check out what uh, Doug wrote. He was talking about that. I'm like, man, he's right. Like, I, I could tell he was hinting at it. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe. But based on Doug's tone, it sounds like he thinks that building through the draft might not be the smartest thing in the majors. And consider this, those of you that listen to, I also host the Locked on Bengals podcast, which you can subscribe to everywhere. Um, one thing that, that I've talked about with the Bengals is how they're too reliant on the draft to build. They need to look at free agency. And that's the NFL, when you can get impact players to play well as rookies. <laughs> I say that there. So in baseball, when you're drafting guys for five years from now, six years from now, and you're talking about a rebuild... I think uh, free agency, I think trades, I think building that way, certainly probably the faster way to be uh, relevant. But you got to have a strong minor leagues too, so I can't wait to check that out. And I'll make sure I tweet out a link uh, when, when Doug posts that at redsminorleagues.com. That was a great show, or a great guest rather, not great show. I, I can't say that. Maybe my question sucked, but I thought Doug was really good. Great to uh, Great to have you. Like I said, we will get all of our podcast up on all the platforms as soon as i can but right now itunes apple podcast you can check it out lockedonreds.com i'm gonna be writing about the reds tonight i have a feeling i'm gonna be doing that and posting it so check that out lockedonreds.com something should be written there by the time uh by this evening it's about noon right now as i record this but uh thank you so much for tuning in and by the way really quick we have about uh 30 seconds here i can do this the locked on reds numbers are out of this world. Something I, I like. I'm floored by how quickly 
I've done Locked On Bengals for a long time, and I know it's the offseason and not as many people are into it and they're tired of the Bengals and all that. But the numbers for Locked On Reds, they're not where the Locked On Bengals podcast is, but they've grown exponentially. This is only our 11th show, and uh, they're doing really well, and it's all thanks to you, so thank you. Thank you for all the con words. I've gotten tweets, direct messages, emails. I notice when when you uh, give us the five stars on iTunes, if you could do that, that would be great if you like the podcast. And uh, until tomorrow, when we'll talk more Reds baseball, I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.